0: Hello, and welcome to TP's Music Talk Podcast. My name is Ryan Ford. And I'm Nick Replinger. And you can find us at our website, tpmusictalkpod.wordpress.com. And you can also find us at anchor.fm
1: forward slash tpmusictalkpodcast and other major podcasting platforms by
0: searching for TP's Music Talk Podcast. You can find us on other social media as well, like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr, and others by searching for TP Music Talk Podcast or for TP Music Talk Pod on Twitter. Just look for our logo. And you can also email us at tpmusictalkpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We also have shared playlists on Apple Music and Spotify that you can check out by searching TP's Music Talk Podcast as well. And don't forget to click
1: the link in the description and leave us a voice message on Anchor. And feel free to leave us a message or a review anywhere you're listening. It really helps us out. And don't forget, donations are always appreciated. You can find a link to donate in the description of any of our episodes.
0: No part of our show can be reproduced without permission or written consent. Hey Ryan, what
1: are you doing this weekend?
0: Yeah man, I'm hanging out with McKay. We're going to take a look at his latest engravings and talk about giveaways for Ian grave stuff.
1: Oh yeah, that's awesome, especially about those giveaways. And you know, I was on the internet the other day, and I saw these ads for these other engraving services, and man, their prices are expensive.
0: Yeah, man, a lot of those other engraving companies will charge you up the wazoo for things, but I've noticed that McKay's company, they have items that are priced very reasonably, making it affordable, especially this year, to get a personalized and really impactful gift. Get your parents something that is heartfelt with your signature, or you can even do a letter in your own handwriting on something.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. And you can even send a scan of your handwriting on a letter and they can engrave it onto a sign, a bottle, or whatever you can think of. The possibilities are endless with them.
0: Yeah. And right now, if you're in the checkout area, you can type in TP10 in all caps in the promo code box and you'll get an extra 10% off. A gift from us. Go to iengravestuff.com today.
1: hello everybody welcome back to transmitter i'm your host nick and we got ryan hey guys and today we are going to be doing a part two of our last episode the older generation we had ryan's mom um, amy come and visit with us and today we have another special guest we have my dad adam Replinger. say hi daddy hi daddy oh. <laughs> yeah, got to have those dad jokes, I guess. Actually, I was going to protest, who you call an older here, boy? But I guess I am, not I? Oh, we're in trouble already, oh, I can yeah. tell. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, well, we'll talk to him about, you know, his music growing up and the thing, things that he did and, and saw. And then um, we got one more thing to tell you about. Ryan will take over that. And
0: Oh, yeah. So we've been telling you guys to leave us some voice messages in the Anchor app. And there's actually a link on our Facebook page. Or if you have the Anchor app, you can just look us up and you'll see the link there. Um, but yeah, if you leave us a recording, it would be really awesome. Uh, we want to get some feedback from you guys. Good, bad, silly, whatever. And we've actually already gotten a few, and so if it's okay, we'd like to share those with you right now. Um, I'm going to pause right now really quick, and we'll cut to those, and then we'll cut back. Absolutely loved this episode. You guys are awesome. Had tons of information that I had never heard before. Um, Appreciate all your hard work. Yay! Man, you guys are, like, amazing. Like Seriously. Next level stuff, man. Like, you open my eyes. Yay! With a pocket full of shells. They rally around the family. Whoa! Hey, we're recording now. <laughs> Somebody once told me the world is gonna roam me. I ate the job you're stealing the shit. And she was <laughs> looking kinda dumb with her I don't, I don't think it goes like that. <laughs> Ooh. Yay! All right. So we're back and, uh, yeah, I think, I think we're going to go ahead and get into this. I'll let Nick take it away.
1: All righty. So how uh, do you want to tell us anything about your background of who you are, or just want to introduce yourself or, or should we just get right into the questions? What would you recommend? This is your show. <laughs> <laughs> Already, well, well, my dad—he um, was born here. I don't remember where here in Utah. I but... was
2: actually born here in Provo, Utah, nineteen sixty-four. Oh, oh, wow. My mom okay. and dad were going to school at BYU, so I'm a BYU
0: baby.
1: There you go, yeah.
0: (laughs) I was as well. (laughs) Um, I was born right here in Provo, Utah, and I I believe you were... I was born in the Orem Community Hospital. Oh, yeah. Okay, so a little bit north, not much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and um, no, he spent a good majority of his life in Huntington Beach, California, and he told me about...
0: Lived in quite a few places. Lived
2: here in Provo, lived in San Diego, lived in uh, Denver, Colorado, back in San Diego again. Then we were in Peoria, Illinois. From there we went to Bogota, Colombia down in South America. We were in Colombia for five years when I was a kid from 70 to 75. And uh, then we came back to uh, Huntington Beach, California, which is where I lived from sixth grade until I graduated high school and then went into the U.S. Army shortly after that. Wow, That was in Germany for a while in the U.S. Army. That's where I met Nick's mom over there in Germany. And uh, the rest is history.
1: yeah Yeah, so so yeah that's a little bit of a background on my dad and and my dad has always been for me a a big you know especially you know when i was little he was a big influence on the type of music i loved and to listen to and things like that and so that's why we i especially i thought it'd be great to have you on the show and and share that you know with our listeners
0: yeah, it sounds like we have a very well-rounded person who's been to numerous different places throughout the whole world and um, has probably experienced a whole lot when it comes to music. So, yeah, I'm excited as well. I th- I know for sure that I'm going to learn something tonight. So,
1: All right, so we'll skip right to our first question. It says, what music did you listen to growing up? Well, when I was a little kid,
2: everything I listened to was what my dad listened to. And the main music that I remember listening to the most was either Frank Sinatra, Although I didn't really develop much of a like for old Frankie baby until later in life. But, um, but what I really did get into, my dad used to listen to Herb Albert and the TJ brass, the Tijuana oh, yeah. brass. And uh, I grew up loving the Tijuana brass all my life. Still listen to it quite a bit even now. So that's what I listened to in my childhood. I remembered when we lived in South America, we had two cassette tapes you guys know what cassette tapes are?
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, we're actually going to
2: ask you about that Yeah. <laughs> a little bit later. <laughs> Just a, a funny, quick side note, your step brother, Joseph Nicholas, mm-hmm. he didn't know what cassette tapes were.
1: Really? And he oh. was
2: driving one of our vehicles that had a cassette deck in it, and he says, it doesn't work. I gave him a cassette to use, and he's trying to stick it in, you know, straight and it just wouldn't work. It was only this wide. No, no, Joseph, you turn it and put it in on its end and
0: it slides your, oh. Oh, man, that's one of the reasons that we're doing this. We want to try and educate people. Yeah. Yeah. Same kind of thing with people, with people of the younger
2: generation who, what's that thing on the wall over there with that? Is that like a telephone booth or something?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, right. Oh, man, telephone booths.
2: So yeah. we had two cassette tapes. One was the carpenters. Is that oh, a group yeah. you guys mm-hmm. remember? The Carpenters. Oh, yeah, I yes. remember the Carpenters. Oh, Karen yes. and Richard Carpenter. They were very big back in the seventies. And uh, we also had uh, a Burke Backrack tape. You guys ever heard of Burke Backrack? I have I not.
0: Know. No.
2: <laughs> we'll have to bring some samples onto one of your future shows. Yeah. And uh, Burke Backrack was more of a more of a uh, a musician who wrote songs. More of an of a. What do you, I'm sorry, my mind just went blank. What do you call an author who writes songs? Oh, you, you mean uh, just like
0: an artist? Just or a music yeah, you know, he, he wrote producer. the songs, didn't
2: necessarily uh, perform them.
0: Oh, it just wrote them like a, a lyricist? Yeah. Or, yeah. One of his
2: most famous ones was one that Tom Jones made famous later on called the What's Up, Pussycat?
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do remember that one. So, uh, actually, we had a couple more, too. I just remembered them. We also had uh, Ray Conniff the Raycon of singers. Wow. They would sing all the most popular songs of the day in a choral type setting, professional choral setting. And uh, they used to sing a lot of the Beatles songs like Live and Let Die and other things like that. Oh, wow. So those were the cassette tapes that I had memorized because I grew up listening to them all the time. In fact, if I spent a moment here, I could probably remember the lyrics off
0: those cassette tapes. <laughs> <laughs> listen to them that much. That they're just ingrained. Yeah, that's all we had. So we would listen to them all the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess the next question, and I think this will flow well, what bands were you obsessed with growing up? Uh, well, I
2: didn't really start
0: to get into bands much beyond
2: Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass until I moved back to the States when I was uh, 11 years old. Mm-hmm and i remember that was about the time that saturday night fever do you guys remember hearing the the movie saturday night saturday night fever with john travolta yes so. i've heard of it that was a huge movie back in the 70s mm. and uh i remember the first time i heard i mean that song was filled that that album i mean for that soundtrack was filled with lots of disco songs and that was all i really knew was disco back then but there was one song that was called uh Oh, what was it called? My mind just went blank. Something Inferno. Disco Inferno is what oh, it was called. Okay. And it had a very hard disco beat to it. And I remember the first time I heard that, I thought, wow, this is what hard rock is, I guess. <laughs> I had no clue. Yeah. <laughs> I was fresh back from South America after five years and didn't really know the music scene much. And then I discovered Boston
0: oh yeah and i found
2: out what real hard rock was yeah and i fell in love with it the first boston album (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm speechless i'm speechless It's, it's it's i love that music to this day it's it's classic rock at its absolute finest don't look back a man i'll never be um More Than a Feeling. More Than a Feeling. That's one of the
0: greatest ones. Well, and they still play their songs at football games today. You know, I mean, very iconic songs. Um, Their first two albums were the best and they
2: didn't have any albums for almost a decade. And then uh, in the 70s, the album producers, you know, got on their case about they had a contract to produce yet a third album and they hadn't done it. So they (laughs) came out with the album called Third Stage, which Mm -hmm. came out about the time that you boys were born, I think. And then they've had two or three albums since then, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love Boston. Um, gosh, they're one of my favorites, too, especially yeah, well, when it comes uh, to classic rock. I
1: definitely have a love for Boston, because my dad would always share that music with, with yeah. me growing up. That's so <laughs> what you grew up yeah. with. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, Boston was my first favorite rock and roll band. And then as the 70s turned into the 80s, they started getting into other rock groups like Styx, mm-hmm. S-T-Y-X. Sticks. And... Uh, Then uh, after sticks there was ELO. Okay. Yeah. The Electric Light
1: yeah, orchestra. The orchestra.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about that. Um, yeah. I think on our very first episode, Nick brought that Oh, yeah. Where, where up.
1: Alex and I would sing, um, Don't Bring Me Down.
0: <laughs> Bruce. They'd <laughs> love that. They,
2: they would say, Bruce. And then they would laugh hysterically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the backseat, Nicholas
1: and Alex. Don't yeah, bring
2: well, me down. Yeah. Bruce. And then they just
1: laugh and laugh and <laughs> yeah, laugh and laugh. I thought it's that totally, was no, I consider it mine and Alex's song. You know, that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was such a good story. I feel like our listeners really enjoyed that. It's, it's good to have those stories growing up and just how music connects you and memories
1: but yeah um so yeah i guess we'll go on to next uh how did you listen to music and how did it change over time you know how did you access music
2: i still remember well but when i was when i was a kid uh, i used to i had a giant boom box probably about half as big as this tv screen here that nobody in the listening can see sorry about that everybody <laughs> no, but okay. uh, it was a it was a big boom box probably about 2 feet wide and a foot high. Extremely heavy. Heavy, dark plastic. It could receive radio, AM and FM, and it had a cassette tape deck down the side of it. And uh, it had a jack on it that I could put on headphones, very similar to this. Headphones have have changed quite a bit over the years. The very first headphones that we had when I was a kid were like the headphones we're wearing right now that cover the entire ear yeah but over time they got smaller and smaller and smaller for for a while they were just little tiny things that f- pushed against the side of your ears and then they became eventually in the 90s the earbuds mm-hmm. that would go into your ears and now we're going back to, we're wearing these beats now that cover your whole ear again so it's <laughs> interesting to see how just the headphones have changed but i had this great big huge deck that i would use with my headphones and uh, i remember my dad got me my my own record player and uh Started going to Kmart to buy all my records. Mm-hmm. But then I found an awesomest music store ever. It was called Licorice Pizza.
0: Oh, that, is, that does sound
2: awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, the records were the big, they call them LPs or albums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're big, about the size of a pizza. <laughs> and they were the black. And a lot of people haven't seen records these days if they just were born and grew up in the last decade or two so true so these these big records an lp would have maybe 10 songs on it it would sit have a little hole in the middle of it that would sit on a little peg and it would spin around you put the arm down on it with the needle on it and that would play come through the speakers yeah um that was a takeoff on the original. I don't remember what they're called. the
0: The original, uh, with the wax. Uh, it, I I forget what it was actually the material.
2: I think it was Edison who made the first one where you could turn it oh, and you oh could yes. talk into it. Uh, like
0: a, uh, oh. was it a phonograph or
2: something like that? I, I forgot the name. But... Yeah, yeah, Joe would know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe
1: I'm Castler. pretty sure it was the phonograph.
2: And uh, you would turn it and you would hear the the noise that you recorded onto it. Well, the records evolved from that. And uh and then I never forget I saw an ad in a magazine that was advertising the very first Walkman. Mm. (laughs) Guys remember Walkman's at all? Oh yeah. Yeah definitely. Okay. And they would they were little cassette decks. And the ad that I saw it was inside of a harness that was fastened to some guy's chest and he had his headphones on and he was on his skis going down the mountain. Oh, wow. And I thought, this is the coolest thing ever <laughs> that I could listen to my favorite rock tunes while I'm shooting down the slopes. Oh, man, that was so cool. I so badly wanted to get one. They were only $800 in the beginning. And that, like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I couldn't afford that. And, but eventually they came down to be affordable, you know, around 100 150 or something. But, yeah. um, which is is typical of technology the first time new technologies come out it's always crazy expensive but then you wait two or three years
0: and it gets much more affordable unless it's cell phones <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> cell um, phones
2: are always expensive when they're new
0: I'm going to ask you another question here, but I I did want to say really quick, I love how you called uh, your boombox a deck. I feel like people don't use that term anymore. And, you know, back then people would kind of take them around proudly and they were these big black or or sometimes like silver gray decks. And and you would take them around, stick a cassette in and carry on your shoulder or just hang it out. Exactly. The original ones
2: didn't have phone jacks in it to put headphones on. So guys would walk around in the ghettos or, or on the on the uh, the trains or the buses or whatever around downtown with these big decks on their shoulders. Rocking, rocking out, out yeah. while they're walking down the road, irritating everybody around them. <laughs>
0: But yeah, another question, and I don't know, maybe this isn't going to transition too well, but did your time in Colombia affect the kind of music that you listen to? It sounds like it might have.
2: Well, mostly it just, uh, you know, when you live in different countries, different cultures, different things, I mean, the music that they had down there was uh, nothing like anything you'll hear in the States unless you're in downtown Los Angeles or or somewhere near the border of Mexico, because the music in Colombia was very similar to Mexican music. and. uh, I call it Mexican country music,
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> the, the music of the Paisanos, the country people.
1: Yeah. But,
2: uh, so, not that it affected, except that it kept me late. I didn't really get into rock and roll until after it had been around for quite a few years. Yeah, yeah. Because I was 11, 12, 13 years old before I started finally getting into rock and roll. And then I was, what? maybe 16, when Huey Lewis and the News came out.
1: Ah, and that's and that's my dad's all-time favorite band. It is. Huey Lewis and the News are the only
2: group that I love every single song they ever composed and produced. Every single one. And I think they have eight or nine albums, every single song. I remember they came out with one album in the late 80s. I was in Germany, because I was in the army station in Germany. And... Uh, They came out with an album that had a bunch of jazz on it. And I thought, what the heck? This is horrible. I did not like it at all. And then I read uh, an article about Huey Lewis. He said, we were just experimenting. I mean, if we didn't make this album, we probably would have just stayed at the beach all day. (laughs) And I thought, okay, that's cool. That changed my attitude. And I listened to it again and again. And then I started, oh, wow, this is cool cool jazz music, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I've, I think some of the best moments in music are times where artists experimented with music in different genres and different sounds that people hadn't heard before. And it's just grown into what music is today, I guess. So
1: Yeah, and then also, uh, for our next question, it kind of goes back on what you were talking about with music technology and how they all changed. You know, you want to talk about Ajax cassettes, tape, single vinyl, CDs, and digital. and I do remember A-Track. With- Hmm. A Track.
2: Many, pe- I mean, A Track wasn't even very big at the time that it was used. Cassette tapes took over the A Track. The A Track were these gigantic cartridges, probably about the size or twice as big as the size of a smartphone. Yeah. <laughs> of the big smartphones, you know, like the iPhone 6. And uh, they would slide these into this gigantic hole in the deck in your car and you would push a button and there would be several tracks on one th- the tape you know if you look at a cassette tape it's a little tiny thin ribbon mm-hmm. yeah the, mm-hmm. the the tape part but on a on a eight track it was probably a half an inch or bigger of mm-hmm. a tape and there were like five or six tracks on that tape so when you would push a button on the on the deck it would skip from one track to the next not necessarily to the next song to the next it would just skip between the tracks and each track might have you know five ten twelve songs on it yeah so it was kind of difficult to get to the actual song you wanted you would just have to go to the track that the song was on that you wanted to have right they did have fast forward and reverse buttons eventually and those would get you to where you wanted to go but see it's a lot different today you with uh digital music you want a certain song you can just click a button and go right to it. Just tap. We had to yeah. scroll through the tapes, if you will,
0: no. back in those days. Well, and same with cassettes, too. Uh, it, you know, I mean, when you went from, like, cassettes to CDs, all of a sudden you could just hit a button and you'd be on the next, you know, the beginning of the next song. And uh, I've
2: always been a little bit slow in moving on to the next technology because 8-tracks were coming... But when I got into music, it was mostly records and cassette tapes. Mm. And I really got into cassettes all, a lot. And I used to uh, make my own cassettes, record things. I used to even have my own little tape recorders. And when I would wait next to the radio, wait and wait and wait and wait for my favorite song to play. And then finally, ah, hit the record button and, and catch it that way. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that was a fun way we did that. And then, but it took me a long time. CDs were around for probably a good five or six years before I. Finally uh, changed and went to from cassette to CD.
0: Yeah.
2: And then I finally learned how to make my own CDs too. That was cool.
1: Yeah. And that's a perfect uh, transition to another question a little bit forward. I want to ask you about what are JK and a CDs and how did they come to be? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, that's something that's pretty unique to the Rupplinger family, I think you know.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> JK and A are the first initials of each of my four kids, Julia, Christina, Nicholas, and Alex. Mm. And, uh, and I knew which songs those four kids loved to listen to the most. So when I would make my own cassette tapes or CDs, I would label them J-K-N-A-1, J-K-N-A-2, J-K-N-A-3, knowing that all the songs that were on those cassettes or CDs were songs that my kids loved to listen to.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's creative. That's clever. I and like
1: that. I always loved listening to those. And whenever, you know, I go through my dad's old, you know, old CD collections, you know, I'll see those and like,
0: oh my gosh, you know,
1: <laughs> so I get excited to see those because the nostalgia of I used to spend, you know, every Saturday, you know, with, with you, you know, with my dad dad just in the back of his car wherever we were going we would listen to those cds and i have fond memories of of listening to those
0: well that just shows like the different ways that people were creative uh during that time because like you know my my mother uh when we interviewed her she did some of the same stuff she made mixtapes and cds and things but i don't think she really had any clever uh names for them or anything she just kind of threw together a bunch of songs that she liked and it it wasn't as big of a deal to make mixtapes for other people well i don't know maybe it was uh maybe i'm putting words in her mouth but
2: this method was just recently immortalized in film Mm. you guys think about it one of the most popular movies that came out in the last couple years i know it's one of nicholas's favorites oh guardians of the galaxy yes guardians of the galaxy where he had his cassette tapes that his mom made for him with a mix of all the favorite tunes from that era yeah i loved it because that was an era that i grew up in too so i guess i had something in common with with uh Peter Quill's mom. Peter, yeah, with, I was going to say uh, Star-Lord's mom. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Star-Lord. I love when he's like, is Footloose still the greatest movie of all time? <laughs> it never was. <laughs> and that I had to
2: take exception with that. When I, saw, I said, oh, wait a minute, Footloose is one of the greatest movies of all time.
1: What are you
0: talking about? <laughs> I think it's great. I, I love that movie. Um, yeah,
1: so. I, I think another good question to go into now. Um, so when you were um, in the army, were you able to listen to music and what what kind of music did you and your fellow soldiers listen to
2: <laughs> well it depended on which soldiers i was around <laughs> um, most of the soldiers that came from the inner cities big cities were listening to rap ah. and uh, when rap first came out back in the 80s i loved it i thought it was cool there was one group in particular called the sugar hill gang mm-hmm. they uh, they did one song Suddenly, I don't remember it anymore, and I'd be embarrassed to try to repeat it right now anyway. But uh, but eventually, the rap got to a point where it was difficult for me to follow, difficult for me to understand. And uh, so I had a hard time really relating with what a lot of the soldiers who liked the rap music, a lot of the other guys. I still listened to all the great 80s stuff. I mean, even when I was in the Army in Germany, it was still Huey Lewis in the News. Yeah, uh, I never forget, just before Nicholas's first sister was born, Julia that was 1988, Huey Lewis and the News came to do a concert in the Munich Stadium, which was the old uh, Olympic Stadium oh. uh, from back in the 1970s, I think, or maybe it was in the 60s, I can't remember. I think it was 72. That sounds about right. But um I went to that concert just before Julia was born, and I thought rock and roll concerts were loud. Huey Lewis puts a whole new definition on the loudness of a concert. I had my hands over my ears, as tight as I could, and I still, my ears are still hurting. That was how loud it was. It was crazy loud. And I was at the end of the stadium. The band was all the way over in the other end of the stadium. It was crazy how loud it was. It was still an awesome concert and the energy was incredible. But I thought that was ironic because if anybody within the sound of my voice remembers one of the most classic, iconic films of the 1980s was Back to the Future. Yeah. Oh yes. And at the beginning of Back to the Future, Marty McFly and his group, his rock group, were called the Pinheads.
1: Oh, I know where you're going. Oh, with this. And they were that.
2: they were performing. They were doing an audition to see if they could perform at the local dance that was going to happen for the for the high school dance coming up. And it just so happened that the person who played the judge was Huey Lewis. Oh yeah. wow. Okay. And uh, so yes. he's sitting there, and this group, the Pinheads, start playing, and they were playing a portion of uh, Power, Power of, of love. love. Yeah and uh, they were playing it really loud and Huey Lewis is sitting there and he looks to the other judges back and forth and then he picks up the megaphone and he says, I'm sorry, but you guys are just too darn loud. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> that's the most ironic thing oh ever because Huey Lewis's concerts are anything but not loud. I mean, they were so... So loud. It's just, it just—it was funny. That's
0: hilarious. I didn't even know that. Like, I,
1: yeah, I've—I've I've heard that story many times from from my dad. So yeah. Now you'll have to yeah. go watch well, the
0: movie. You get to see. Oh, that's Huey Lewis, right? That's that's <laughs> one new thing I've learned. Actually, I think I've learned several new things already. But <laughs> and I guess it kind of makes sense that you know Huey Lewis has started to lose his hearing too. Oh, yeah. uh, after all the the loud concerts and yeah. That... I would recommend anybody who's in a rock band that you use
2: earplugs when you're doing concerts. Yeah. Protect your ears. It doesn't have to be headphones, but, you know, the plugs that they get that you can put in your ears will help protect your eardrums. Mm, Right, right.
0: And uh, we kind of already had addressed this question, but I did want to ask you, um, do you remember 45s or the...
2: Yes, that was part of what I would always go to Licorice Pizza to buy. Ah, yeah. The forty fives were the singles. There were just one song on each side. I collected over two hundred of those when I was a teenager, and I still have them. Oh, really? I didn't know that. You can you can go. You could back then. You could go and buy a forty five for one dollar. It was cool. That was a lot of money back then.
0: <laughs> How would that be a dollar? <laughs> oh, for... No, yeah. I mean, I, I guess they are a dollar on iTunes though. Oh, so. well, like a dollar thirty. Yeah. <laughs> now they add a bunch of tax and everything, but. And then so. I, one question, and I really have no idea about this, but uh, it's on our list. It, it says, Who are the Grand Land Singers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when
2: I was uh, freshly out of high school, I was about 18, 19 years old, somewhere in there. I discovered a group at. Um, they were called the Grandland Singers. They were a group that was started in the 1960s, back when there was so much American sentiment, anti-American sentiment going around. Mm. It was in the era of the Vietnam War. There was lots of anti-American, pro-communism sentiment going around the country. And uh, and so the Grandland Singers were a red, white, and blue, all America. The theme of their shows was God, family, and country. And uh, I found out that they had their headquarters in in uh, Cerritos, California, which was about a 45 minute drive from where I lived in Huntington Beach. So I drove up there just to check him out because a friend of mine was in the group and uh, he said I should come try out. So uh, I drove up there, I tried out and I made it into the group and- uh, Oh, wow. There were about uh, 30 of us that were in this group and we were a choir type setting, but we also had dancers and a band. And uh, so we would practice every Thursday night up there in Cerritos and then we would uh, go around the state of California to different places, to high schools or churches, mostly to do our performances. One time we went and performed at a prison. That was an interesting experience. <coughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then every summer we would go on a tour around the country. And uh, the year that I was in it was uh, 1983, I believe. We took a tour through the southern states. We went to Kentucky and Louisiana and Georgia and and Mississippi and and, uh, went down into Florida, came up through the Carolinas and uh, into the District of Columbia. I remember we performed uh, on the 4th of July in Washington, D.C., And we were supposed to be pre-parade entertainment. We were supposed to go and do our show on the side of the road, right where the parade would start. The crowds were supposed to gather there, so we were supposed to entertain the crowds until the parade started. Well, they were supposed to have some electricity there for us, Ah. and they didn't. So we had no way to plug in our band. And and then uh, we got out our risers. We had these risers we would set up. There were three levels high for the, the group would stand on them. But uh, it was so... I don't know if you've been back east, but it's very... There's a lot of uh, moisture, a lot of humidity back east. Oh, yeah. And sometimes the ground will get very soft. We set up our risers, stood on them, and they sank down into the grass. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> so we said, to heck with this, and we... And uh, we put everything away. And then we headed over to Lafayette Park, which is right in front of the, the White House. And we were supposed to perform there. There was a group called the Pro Family uh, that had Pro Family, American Family, I forget the actual name. But they had asked us to come and perform. They, they had bid for and got use of Lafayette Park in front of the White House that year. Oh, wow. And uh, so we were going to be their main entertainment And we set up our risers and we started to perform. And suddenly, well, we found out that there was another group called the yippies and they were used to have their annual marijuana smoke out in the lafayette <laughs> park every fourth of july oh boy. And this year they lost the bid and they weren't happy about it oh. and so as we're performing all of these yippies were starting to mass just huge mass at one end of the park and they were planning to walk in mass across the park and push us out of it and take over the park and oh, we were getting a little bit nervous about that because their numbers were getting to be really big and huge and then all of a sudden out of the blue kid you not all of a sudden hundreds and hundreds of cops on mopeds (laughs) they all came zipping in there and they rode in a big circle around this crowd and they moved them away very perfect effective crown control and we went yeah and we uh and we went on with our performance my picture ended up on the front page of the of the uh uh, what was it the washington times i think it was it was kind of cool my, my one little moment to fame and fortune well skip the fortune part but the fame was there for at least a couple days
0: <laughs> well, and i was gonna say that's so cool that we're talking to someone who actually toured around the country you know like i that is pretty significant i would say even if it was th- you know back then years ago i mean yeah it's something i've always thought that was cool about about my dad and something
1: that i've I've always loved listening to his Grandland Singer stories. He always will, will, will tell me about them. I always enjoy listening to him. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm remembering some of the funny ones as you say that. Well, do you want to share one real quick? Or? Well, there was one time when uh,
2: there was one guy in the group. His name was Sam Keel. Sam Keel actually lives nearby here in Springville. And uh, Sam... He had probably the best voice of any male singer I've ever heard in my life. Incredible male voice. And uh, he was also extremely good looking. So every time we'd go perform somewhere, the girls would scream when Sam came out on the stage. (laughs) Made us feel like we were rock and roll stars. And uh, there was one routine that I did with a couple of the guys where we pretended to be the Beach Boys and we would sing a Beach Boys medley. The girls would scream for us too. That was very ego boosting, let me tell you. (laughs) To be 17 years old or no, no, 18, 19 years old out there on the stage. And the girls are screaming as we sing some Beach Boys. songs it just that does something for your ego as a guy let me tell you yeah (laughs) but um anyway sam had one solo where he was singing new york new york
0: okay okay
2: and uh we were all standing on the stage in poses frozen poses and there was a screen behind us that had a silhouette of the of the skyline of new york and the music started playing with the with the electric piano that 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 Da, 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 and Sam was supposed to be on the stage right then to start singing, to start singing right at that very moment. But he mm. missed his cue. Oh no! And he wasn't there. He didn't come oh. out. The spotlight came on. No, Sam. Spotlight went off. The piano intro started again. <laughs> da, da. Da, da, da. again the spotlight came on no sam so we're all whispering for uh for francine who was his understudy francine go on you gotta do it you gotta step in yeah. for him wait you gotta so, save us <laughs> so francine says oh okay so she steps up and goes the intro plays again the spotlight comes on and just as francine starts to sing sam came running onto the stage he <laughs> could saw what was happening and ran off the other side <laughs> Oh man!
0: It
2: turned out he had been in the changing room and the wardrobe room practicing his part for that part and he missed his cue oh man (laughs) there was (laughs) another time when Francine that same girl was doing the part for Sam and she was out on the front of the stage and sometimes when you have the stage lights that are extremely bright in your eyes you can't see anything out there in front of you Mm -hmm. you can't see the audience at all and if you're not careful you cannot see where the end of the stage is either oh did you so Francine was out there dancing singing New York New York and all of a sudden boom she disappeared she fell off the end of the stage right down to the bottom
0: oh no did she hurt herself No, she didn't get hurt
2: very bad, but scared her to death and Uh, shocked everybody else, including the
0: audience.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. When you're doing a live performance on stage, you can't put a break and say, we'll be right back after these messages. That doesn't work.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what that reminds me of is uh, Dave Grohl, uh, it, when he broke his leg. Oh, yeah. Uh, but... I think I just broke my leg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they wheeled him back on and he had like a throne built for him to. Oh, yeah. Continue like, I remember the. You know who Dave Grohl is, right? I don't remember.
1: He's um, the drummer from Nirvana, but he has oh, a new okay. band called the Foo Fighters. And so the Foo Fighters were out on tour. I don't remember where they were I think it was maybe Spain or Germany somewhere in Europe and he's in the middle of a song and he falls off the stage and he breaks his leg and just from the adrenaline he sounds a little loopy and he's speaking to the audience of so the micros, like I think I just broke my leg <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we- so they, bro- they rush him off to the hospital and the band is thinking like oh I guess the tour is canceled but then Dave Grohl comes back with a cast on and he plays the rest of the show while uh, you know uh, what do you call those people um oh well the paramedics are yeah, there a Paramedic and... just holds his his cast <laughs> on a chair the entire time for another three to four hours yeah. and then for the rest of the tour because you know he's very rich from nirvana I mean, he made this big huge giant throne for him to, to sit on for the rest of the shows during the tour <laughs> cool yeah amazing what you can do when you have money yeah. yeah
2: but that's the kind of thing that happens when you're performing live with a group because things will happen you have to adjust you have to go with the flow even though something didn't go the way you expected it to Mm. when I was on tour in the southern states with the Grandland Singers I had a pinched sciatic nerve down my back leg and if anybody's ever experienced a sciatica being pitched it's extremely painful Mm. and there was one part of the show where I was dressed like Thomas Jefferson having a conversation with John Adams and uh, and Paul (laughs) Revere and the the group would sing different patriotic songs from that era from the Revolutionary War era yeah yeah and uh, I was in so much pain I couldn't stand very well so one of the other guys in the group reached through the curtain held onto my belt so that I would stay so I would stay steady Ah. and then I would just perform that way and uh, (laughs) so the audience had no clue and I think there's lots of times when you have to just improvise and make the show go on.
0: Oh, gosh, we yeah. can relate to that. When we were doing our episode with uh, Jordan here recently for Private School Boys, a, a lot of our listeners probably won't even know this, but uh, we actually had our computer crash on us uh, yeah. in the middle of the episode, and we had to kind of just go with the flow. And that was recording and everything. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, thankfully, Jordan was willing to, you know, do that as well. And um, another shout out to Jordan. I feel like I've been talking about him every episode. He must have had an impact on me. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, he's a talented musician. Yeah. Um, but yeah so we'll go on to our next question and it
1: just says tell us about Hugh loose in the news boston journey bon jovi and other bands that you listen to so yeah the iconic kind of course we kinda already have but maybe well, what are some other bands that you listen to well, those are the greats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So Not Everything else pales in comparison. I'm trying to think of what are some of the other groups that I got into later later on. Nothing's coming to mind right now. So how about going to your next question?
1: Already. <laughs> well, yeah. well, did you follow the evolution of music through the 70s into the 80s and 90s? And what did you think about it?
2: Well, I had a hard time with uh, going from classic rock and roll to what they called new wave in the late 80s. But looking back on it, I love it now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, in, uh, w- with New Wave, it's it's funny that keeps getting brought up on our show. And I feel like Nick and I are not very schooled in New Wave. So we definitely need to do some research on that. But maybe you could tell us a little bit about it. And, you know, what, what is New Wave music? It
2: was just a different style of rock and roll.
0: Hmm. I mean, like Huey Lewis said,
2: everything is rock and roll. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The heart of rock and roll keeps beating no matter what. Basically, it was just a a change in the style. I mean, you had groups like, um,
0: doggone it, I hate it when I'm on the spot and I can't remember a name. Oh, you're fine. Hmm. But was it like uh, I I don't know was it more ballady maybe like because I know one iconic thing about 80s rock is You had a lot of the rock musicians where the solos were very clean-cut and just ballad style and kind of long and drawn out I mean, that's one of the best things about 80s rock, right is the amazing solos and everything like that Well,
2: the thing about it is that uh... We, we, we sort of made the transgression, or transgression, that's the wrong word. <laughs> <laughs> it was the right word for those of us who were really purists on, on uh, classic rock. And then we started having the punk rock, and the punk rock mo- morphed into the the new wave music. Oh. And um, that was difficult for those of us who were the, the purists.
0: Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. But when
2: I look at, back on it, the beat the comfortable drum beat of all music from the 80s. It didn't matter if it was punk rock or hard rock or heavy metal or new wave or or classic rock. The beat is so comfortable.
0: Yeah. And
2: uh, And so looking back on it, I can't even distinguish the differences anymore. To me, it's just this was the 80s rock
0: and yeah. I loved the 80s. Like, this was just yeah. good music, a good, yeah, good time period. Let's see, another question we've got. Uh, what did you think about other genres, uh, you know, other than rock growing up and, you know, it, that were around, it, well, when you were around our age? Um, and I know you kind of talked about hip hop a little bit or rap, but is there anything else that kind of sticks out to you?
2: Well, not really styles per se. Most of my life, I can't really say that I like one type of music more than another because I really just like songs. Mm. And there were some songs that would be considered country that I really liked. And there were some songs that were considered easy listening that I really liked. There were some songs that were considered heavy metal that I really liked. And some that were just classic rock and some that were disco. And, uh, Some that uh, were new wave or some that were punk. Uh, It really didn't, I really didn't get into the styles of the song. I just loved these songs themselves.
0: Yeah.
2: That's why all these different groups are out there. I would like one or two songs from all those groups. Hmm. But there was only one group, Huey Lewis and the News, (laughs) that I liked everything they did. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And it's, it's funny you say that, because um, that's another line that I'm drawing between you and when we interviewed uh, my mother, because she kind of said the same thing. She's like, there wasn't really a whole lot of, um, you know, this genre or this style or anything back then. It was just, did you like this song or did you not? It's, you know.
2: And back then, if you heard a song on the radio you really liked, you ran down to Licorice Pizza and bought the 45.
0: Right. Yeah. And then you'd
2: listen <laughs> to it You're over dumb. and over and over again until you wore it out.
0: So, yeah, that's that's kind of cool that, like, you know, it, it sounds like back then it was more about the music whereas now there's people that are trying to analyze every little thing and stick it into certain corners and you know i mean that's kind of like pitting genres against each other right right and i mean it's it's kind of funny because that's what nick and i do on this show a lot is talk about the different styles and the different genres well
2: i think it's not necessarily that all of us were like that back then because you're going to find people that were into the genres back then too yeah i mean we used to uh joke about about you know there was one radio station KMET all they played was hard rock and uh, and then there was another station that would play lots of disco yeah. and we would joke about how there's no way you would have a disco song on KMET it's just not happened. that would be like you know trying to uh, I can't think of a good analogy but so there are people that were into genres back then i just happened to not be one of them yeah <laughs> apparently neither was your mother
0: yeah well and, and i think that that says something though i mean you know maybe I, i'm sure there was a lot of uh, metalheads and different uh, people that were into just a specific genre or were very diverse and knew all about all these different genres but i mean overall i it just seems like it was a lot more about the music back then compared to now yeah
1: And so our next question, um, I remember once, you know, I was with the Coxes, you know, with Aunt Carrie, and she was telling me how a lot of the music that she loves to listen to was influenced by you and all the rock songs that you would listen to. So our next question is, you know, how was sharing music with others, with family and friends, and how do you think you've influenced family and friends with your music and things like that?
2: Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the same way that you grew up loving all my music. It's just what you heard and what you Mm -hmm. liked. It wasn't like I tried to have an influence on my sister Carrie in the music just that I would play my 45s or my LPs and she would hear them and she would like them too. I mean when she and Gary, her you know your uncle Gary got married one of their song that they danced to at their wedding reception was Boston
1: Oh, yeah. which which song it was Boston? um
2: I should know better than to mention a song without remembering the name.
1: (laughs) (laughs) More than a feeling? (laughs) No.
2: It wasn't that. It was on third stage album. I'll remember it in a minute here. Yeah.
0: Well, another question that we had, and maybe this kind of goes back to what we were talking about where it was more about the music. Do do you think that rock music is dead in this day and age? And what do you think about modern music on the radio today, Uh, whether it be pop or rock?
2: I don't know, because I hardly listen to the radio anymore. Yeah, don't it, um, yeah <laughs> i listen to uh to my i still well cds is starting to be old-fashioned now yeah <laughs> that's so true it's it's a weird time and uh and so a lot of people will have their music on uh, usb you know data sticks i usually will just make the songs that i want that i got off of amazon.com yeah put them all together and uh, on a cd or on a data stick and listen to it that way
0: Yeah, just kind of collect your fave. Oftentimes, I'll just go to YouTube and uh, type in the song I want, just listen to that when I'm done, and turn it off. Yeah, (laughs) because digital streaming. Yeah, Um, and, and I mean, what would you say? Like, I don't know, when you look back at like '80s rock and the rock and roll you grew up with, would you say that rock music today is dead or in decline or?
2: No, it's just a different style. Every once in a while, songs that are really cool come out now imagine dragons is that one of the
1: groups from your era is
2: that uh, a group oh you yeah definitely like? they
1: came out like oh, when i was on my on my mission so around 2012 13
0: 14 yeah yeah very i i mean they're so popular even now they um, got some great songs yeah i don't remember what they are right
2: off the bat but if i heard them i would know them and uh so things just continue for me the same way they did back in the 80s just that when you're a teenager music is such a huge part of your life and while it continues to be important to me now it doesn't Preoccupy me
0: like it did yeah. when I was young. Yeah. Well, and, I, you know, when you look back at the music that Nick and I grew up with, which, um, you know, some people might say, unfortunately, it was new metal. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I still remember rocking to all those songs in high school. I mean, not that we're very much older than that now, but I definitely can relate to what you're saying when you say that it preoccupied more of your mind back then, hearing those songs for the first time and uh, enjoying them.
1: Yeah and so um you mentioned that you that you go onto YouTube and look up songs from more recent bands are there any you know modern or recent bands or artists that you really like that you listen to a lot today or
2: There's a a band that's been around I think they've been around since the 90s I'm not sure but I've only recently mm-hmm. discovered them called Hootie and the Blowfish You guys know Hootie and the Blowfish
1: I think so it sounds very familiar no, I thought they I've were never... a popular
2: band from this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no,
1: oh, wait, I, I know I've heard it. There, there's a the TV show How I Met Your Mother. The, there's an episode where they go to a concert or something. I think that's where it sounds familiar.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've I've honestly never heard of these guys. I'm I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're super popular, and I haven't heard of them because
2: their most popular song right now is called Hold On. Can I play it real quick? Is that okay or not?
0: Unfortunately, due to copyright reasons, we can't. Oh, okay. Uh, well, then I won't be doing that. Yeah, we w- we wish we could. We would have yeah, a lot we, more. Oh, we have tons of music on our podcast if we could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, uh, hopefully well, that's someday. a bummer.
2: You'd think it would be helping to promote the band by playing their music. I know. Why does that violate a copyright if you're helping
0: people love their music because they heard it?
2: Oh, man, I got to go look up that song. I got to go buy that song.
0: I know. We just yeah. do the best we can by letting letting them know who the artists are and what songs they are. Hopefully, at some point, we can start getting some of these uh, copyright things out of the way and maybe you know have some music on our show. But uh, our host just doesn't allow that at this time. So, yeah. You know. But uh, yeah, another question we had for you. How do you think music has affected history and culture from when you were a kid and, you know, where we are today?
2: Well, I wonder, does music affect the culture or does culture affect the music?
1: That's, that's a good question, actually. It's kind of like <laughs> like, but you came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, music has been a part of all cultures throughout all time from everything that I have seen. There was music during the Middle Ages. There was music during the time of Christ. There was music in the Roman Empire. Uh, uh, Every culture everywhere that we know of has had music. It's always been a part of life. So as music evolves over time, music was a lot more mild, Before the 60s, that's when rock and roll started to really take actually harder rock and roll that was a little more rebellious, you know, like with the Beatles. Uh, There was rock and roll in the 50s, too, but it's not quite the same as the rock and roll of the 60s, nor is that the same as the rock and roll of the 70s or the 80s or the 90s. Every decade seems to have a different style of music that catches on as the most popular. And uh, some things perpetuate and go on. Like, I believe rap music started back in the 80s, and it's really big now. Yeah. They say that in a lot of the inner cities, the kids would rather uh, be rappers or pro basketball players than anything else. You know? yeah,
0: yeah,
2: And uh, so rap continues even to this day to be very big in certain circles. So it has an influence on certain parts of populations, but not necessarily everybody as a whole. Yeah. I still listen to Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass, and most people would rather have root canal than listen to them. <laughs>
1: well,
2: I, I still remember a, a movie. What was it called? Dennis the Menace. Oh uh, yeah. There was, or no, it was a movie with with Bill Cosby in it. I can't Bill remember. Cosma, the, I it know. wasn't Dennis the Menace. It was something Bill Cosby. But he said something. He made a derisive remark. He says that wouldn't. He said something about something being just as bad as having to listen to Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass all Saturday <laughs> <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> and you're like, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you talking yeah. about? there's the love for Herb Albert.
1: Yeah. So, and also I guess. Uh, Our next question goes along with that. What are your thoughts on big bands like The Beatles, Rolling Stones, The Who, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, Metallica, Nirvana, and the Foo Fighters? You know, just big bands that were were the top of the game in each of those decades.
2: Well, like I said, I never really was much into the bands as I was into the songs. I know the Foo Fighters were big, but I don't know what they did. Um, I'm not very familiar with them. Yeah. But the others you mentioned, you know, the Stones, the Beatles. I mean, the Beatles influenced an entire generation of music. That's Um, crazy. Whether they meant to or not, they did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So popular.
2: So uh, groundbreaking. There was a lot of good that came out of that and a lot of not so good things that came out of that. A lot of the music has negative effects on people and cultures, too. And uh, so you have to be aware of those things and and be careful. I figure if the music you listen to makes you feel good and makes you want to do good things to make other people's lives be better, then you got a good thing going on. But if your music makes you want to shut down and, and shun other people and withdraw or to be harmful and do not such good things to other people, then it's probably not such a good thing to be listening to. That's that a, makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I I feel like that's something we haven't talked a whole lot about on this show is how music can influence you in a negative way. Yeah, and, and also individually too. Yeah, yeah, it can put you down or it can make you depressed. I I think it's just like anything. It, too much of anything and something that isn't uplifting and and helps you is is not good um let's see another question we've got are there any bands or artists that you feel should have made it bigger but never did like any uh bands that never got super famous probably the most amazing band i have ever heard that really
2: should be extremely well known but just hasn't been picked up by enough people yet is this awesome group called blix 10
1: i knew this was coming uh, <laughs> yes
2: I, I couldn't agree more i listen to blix 10 music all the time and it's and I, I worry that their sound is so similar to the 80s that I'm worried that maybe not enough people from this, you know, young people from this generation, are as much into that music as, but maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. Maybe they just need to get it out there where more people are hearing it. Yeah. I think it'd be great if they could send their best songs on a CD to some of the radio disc jockeys and get them to play it on the radio.
0: <laughs> well, we yeah. promote them all the time. Nick is actually in that band and- um, I'm and, not biased or anything, I promise. Yeah, no. I'm not either. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, well, I always felt that my dad has been my biggest supporter of my music, even long before I was in Blix 10, whether it was you know, my first bands like Finesque or the Blue Suits, my dad has always been there cheering me on.
2: Nick was learning how to play the guitar almost incognito when he was young. And then uh, choirs at uh, Orham Junior High School were doing an 80s night. The choirs were singing all this music from the 1980s. And Nick and a couple of his buddies were halftime entertainment. And they came out there on the stage. And started playing, what was it?
1: Um, Just Like Heaven by The Cure. Just Um. Like Heaven by The Cure. I
2: mean, that's about as 80s as it gets. Yeah. And he played that song so incredibly masterfully. I just, my jaw hit the ground. I thought, dang, my son can rock out, man. I had no idea. (laughs) And I've been a huge fan watching him progress even more so ever since then. I mean, I knew he was learning how to play the guitar. I just didn't know how good
0: he really was yeah well and i take it for granted sometimes uh, when i think about nick because growing up he was so into the guitar and that's just always been something that i associate with him and so when i go to these concerts these and and speaking of which (laughs) to plug blix 10 again they have a concert coming up later on in march um march
1: 25th at all not it's not called that anymore it's called the rise studios is here in Orem. um i don't remember i think it's seven o'clock i don't think the time is set yet but yeah,
0: but... March 25th. Yeah, keep up on their Facebook page, and we'll probably post about it too on our page, but... For those of you who
2: don't know, Blix10 is spelled B-L-I-X then the number 10.
0: Yep. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it, Nick is just very talented, and I forget that sometimes when I go to these concerts, because he's playing so well that, I, and I've known him for so long, that I would almost just like take it for granted. And, you know, now that you've said that, it just makes me think of you know, how talented a musician he really is. And I mean, that's one of the reasons I am so honored to have him as a co-host on this show. And, you know, he really adds so much to it. (laughs) Sometimes his performances are so good that you wonder, is he really playing that? Or is there just
2: a track tape running behind the scenes? Yeah, (laughs) that's my secret.
0: (laughs) But, um, yeah, let's see. What else have we got? Um, so what's maybe
1: your favorite concert that you've ever been to? Although I'm pretty sure that might be the Huey Lewis concert. Huey
2: Lewis is the only concert I've ever been to. Oh,
1: so the, the next part was I had an opportunity to go to
2: Boston once, and I got sick, and I couldn't go. Oh, really? oh no. Boston came here to Orem. Really? Your mm. your Aunt Shauna was going to take me, and I got sick. and couldn't go. And uh, uh, so they're the only—I've seen Huey Lewis in concert three times. I saw them— at Magic Mountain in California. Do you guys know what Magic Mountain is? Isn't that a theme park? It's a big theme park, even more awesomer than Disneyland, if you, it's, that's possible.
0: Oh, wow.
2: If, if what you want is fast roller coasters, yeah, Magic Mountain's the place.
0: How have I never heard about this?
2: <laughs> it's part of the Six Flags Network. Have you heard of Six Flags? Oh, yes. Yeah, this is Six Flags Magic Mountain, Wow. located outside Los Angeles. Anyway, Huey Lewis came to do a concert there. That's the first time I saw them. I was in my uh, senior year of high school, and a bunch of us went up there to go to Magic Mountain one weekend. And... Uh, they were in concert, so we went and saw them, and totally fell in love. And then, uh, then I saw them in Munich, like I was talking about earlier. And then here in uh, Provo, Utah, they do the Stadium of Fire. Mm. every 4th of July and one year they had Huey Lewis and the News come to be the main entertainment there and that was just absolutely awesome. So Huey Lewis and the News is from San Francisco. That's where they originated from and at this particular time two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time from BYU, Ty Detmer and Steve Young, were both quarterbacks for the San Francisco 49ers and they were the greatest quarterbacks pretty much from BYU ever. So they came out, Huey Lewis came out on the stage to do his performance and he brought Ty Detmer and, and uh, Steve Young out there to sing with them. The crowd went nuts.
1: Yeah, Absolutely went nuts.
0: <laughs> that was so much fun. Um, and, and let's see, we've got a few more questions here. Are there any movie or TV soundtracks that you like to listen to? Or are you into like soundtracks at all? Or
2: I am, but most of the soundtracks I like are from uh, movies that have done old songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Great, great oh, yeah. example. Mm-hmm. They've got so a lot good. of classic music in there from when I was growing up. The uh, the movie Remember the Titans. Oh, yes. There's some great they, they, they played a lot of the music that was really popular in the 70s, in the early 70s. And that that's awesome stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of movies out there that uh, if their music is good, then I like the movie even better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I and Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm so glad you said that one because I think everybody remembers the music from that movie.
1: Well, and that's just what makes it half of so of it so memorable.
0: Yeah. Do you guys
2: remember the the movie called the Sky High? Yes. yes. Yeah. That was all 80s new wave music.
0: Ah, okay. And that definitely yeah. had a vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a different,
2: little bit different style than the classic rock, but still amazing and awesome.
0: Yeah. If any of you guys out there haven't seen those movies, by the way, you should definitely check them out. Um, There's a um, an
2: animated movie that was called Oliver and Company. Don't remember if you guys oh, remember yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I remember. And Oliver and Company had quite a few songs from uh, Billy Joel, who was big in the uh, '80s, and from Huey Lewis. Yeah,
1: yeah, because like the opening song is Huey Lewis singing. I think it's called "Once Upon a Time in New York City." Oh, that's right. right. Yes. And then, of
2: course, Back to the Future. That's yeah. got all Huey Lewis through it, too. Yeah, yeah for sure. And that's The such Power a... of Love is what the first hip that Huey Lewis got to the number one on the charts. Yeah,
0: such an iconic show. We bring up that show w- so much on our podcast. Oh, it's, yeah. You know, <laughs> but it, it just has yeah. so many iconic uh, 80s themes and 80s songs in it. So,
1: yeah. And so this next part, um, you know, my my dad, he always has these things up. He'll he'll repeat them over and over to me, and I always enjoy listening to them. I'm going to ask my dad to do one of these for us because there is a song at the end of it. Yeah. I don't know if he suspects what song I'm going to, what bit I'm going to ask him to do. I'm actually going to do a, to do a, woe buck. I never did see a Mormon until I turned 18 years old. <laughs> you want me to tell that story? I think it would be fun. I mean, it's just something that I always know, listen to you do, and it's one of my favorite things.
2: <laughs> I never did see a Mormon till I was 18 years old. Ma and Pa was hard-shell Southern Baptists. <clears throat> Fine people. <laughs> we frowned on singing. We abominated dancing and the fiddle. The fiddle, sir, is the tool of the devil. That's right. I heard Pa say so many times. (laughs) Tool of the devil. I'm getting a little sideways in my story here. To come to our house one day, two men in black suits and stovepipe hats said they was ministers of the gospel. But they didn't fool Pa none. He said they was Mormons. And he tried to scare them (laughs) with a shotgun. But they wouldn't scare Next thing I knew... I was sneaking into town to hear them Mormons preach. And oh, such preaching I never heard before. While it was truth and power and the holy scriptures explained. My pa says, any boy of mine try to join that heathen church and I'll thrash him till his hide won't hold shocks. Yes, pa, I says. My hide ain't held shucks since that very day. <laughs> 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 well, I was hardly dry of the baptism water when we got the call to go west, and my, didn't we work at it. Driving those ox teams, pulling the wagons, through the sand and the bog holes, up the hill and back down again, sun up to sundown. I tell you, I was young. I fared better than most, but I tell you, by the end of the day, I was tuckered. <laughs> Plum Tucker, I remember one night I just barely dragged my aching bones into bed when I heard this terrible screeching sound. Screech! And there it was again. Screech! Sounded like a wagon wheel gone dry. Screech! No by Jean! It was a fiddle! Tool of the devil! Right here in the camp of the saints! <laughs> I hurried from my tent to find President Young, and when I rounded the wagon box, I heard Big Brigham Young's voice boom out of the crowd. He said, That's an old sectarian falsehood. There is no fiddling in hell. <laughs> <laughs> now everybody gather around the fiddle and the banjo, and everybody dance. Dance? 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 <laughs> It didn't seem right. What's more, I was too tired to stand up. Well, I've always been one to try to do what the prophet says. So I dragged my weary bones into that body, a circle, and tried to learn how to dance. <laughs> Let me tell you, the church is true. <laughs> Why, we reared back with the best of them and sang, ro buck <laughs> Do I need to sing mohawk buck now? I'll
1: leave that up to you if you want to, (laughs) but yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Too bad I don't have a banjo here. With a merry little song and a gay little jig, woah, Buck and Jerry boy, we trudged and worked all, all day long. Woah, Buck and Jerry boy, with our covered all over with dust, better than staying back home to rest. Reach Salt Lake some day or bust. Woah, Buck and Jerry boy, but um, ba ba da ba da ba dum dum. There's a pretty little gal in the wagon ahead. Woha, Buck and Jerry Boy, I wish she's by my side instead. Whoa, ha, Buck and Jerry Boy, look at her now with a pout on her lips, Dane Lee with her fingertips. She picks for the fire some buffalo chips. Whoa, ha, Buck and Jerry Boy, Ba dum da ba da ba dum dum dum. Well, tonight we'll dance by the light of the moon. Woha, Buck and Jerry Boy, to the fiddler's best and only tune. Whoa, ha, Buck and Jerry Boy, look at her now with a pout on her lips, Dane Lee with her fingertips. That's the wrong words, wrong lines, sorry. <laughs> Never a step of the dance we miss. Never did Noah love like this. Whoa, ha, huh, buck and Jerry boy. Ba-dum-ba-da-ba-dum-dum-dum. With a mer- merry little song and a gay little jig. Whoa, ha, huh, buck and Jerry boy. We'll trudge and work the whole day long. Whoa, ha, huh, buck and Jerry boy. With all we're covered all over with dust. Better than staying back home to rust. we reach out like some day or bust. Whoa, huh, buck and Jerry boy. but pa, ba ba da ba dum
1: <laughs> There you go. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. For me, that's always something I've loved. You know, I've always considered, you know, kind of my music because it's, it's something I've always associated, you know, with you and my dad, you know, just something I will always treasure and remember for the rest of my life.
2: I Need to Give Credit Where Credit Is Due. That song was originally done by a group called the Three Ds, Dwayne, Dick, and Doug. And uh, they did a whole bunch of routines with music and history stories from the early settlers of the Latter-day Saint Church. The Church of Jesus
0: Christ of Latter-day Saints, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we, we hope that wasn't too offbeat for some of our listeners out there. I mean, part of the reason that Nick and I do these interviews with people and talk about music in this way is so that we can get all aspects of it and, you know, really hear different uh, opinions and thoughts on things. And so we, we hope that you enjoyed that. And, you know, if not, then... We're sorry, but you yeah, just turn it, it off. <laughs> yeah. It's like the comedian says, like, So what? You're offended.
1: Nothing happens, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we try and be genuine on the show, and that is a genuine part of, of Nick's and his dad's life, so.
1: Yeah. And going on, you know, with the next version of It's you know, with my life, what do you think of the music that me and my siblings grew up listening to, what maybe what we listen to today? Do you have an opinion on what we like to listen mm-hmm. to or?
2: Well, some of the songs you guys listen to took some getting used to. <laughs> but I think that happens with every generation. My dad really had a hard time with me listening to Boston.
1: Oh, yeah, I can see uh, Grandpa. Yeah. Grandpa and, yeah.
2: uh, and so some of the groups that you listen to, there's one group that you really like a lot Three Days Grace. Three Days Grace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of their music I have a hard time with. And, uh, and some of the stuff that Christina likes goes right over my head. <sighs> but. Um, like, like the time that uh, you kids made that video and uh, had different segments in it, you and Christina and Alex, and you had all lots of different songs in it. Some of the songs were old classics that I knew, like Penny Lane from the Beatles. And But the, the one where you, are yelling the lyrics and then you jump back and
1: come back up with the gorilla mask on. Oh, yeah, that, that's Animal I Become. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, become. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so those are not my, well, again, it's not a, a genre, it's certain songs I like and certain songs I don't.
0: Yeah. Um, let's see. Another question we had. Oh, and this is good as, as we're kind of closing out here. What does music mean to you?
2: I can't imagine a world without music. And I really, really hope and expect that there's going to be music in heaven. Music is very powerful for helping you to feel the spirit in your life. It's very powerful for helping you to feel joy and happiness. It's very powerful for helping you to cope with sadness and despair. Every emotion that there is out there, there is a tune that help you to experience that emotion that much more fuller. And that's what music does for me and how it will always be important to me because it affects my emotions. If I'm sad, I'll go listen to a sad song and that'll help me deal with it and get over it faster. If I'm happy, I'll go listen to something that's really happy and upbeat and that perpetuates the emotion even further. If I want to think about somebody that I care about, I'll think about songs that make me think of them. My dad is in the last days of his life. He'll probably be leaving the earth anytime within this next year. And uh, But he's the one that got me into into, uh, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. So when my dad is gone, that's how I will always remember him, is listening to that music.
0: Well, and that's something that we uh, talked about a lot when uh, we interviewed my mother, too, is just how much music can affect your emotions and affect your memories. You know, sometimes you hear a song and it just takes you back to... 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and just back to a specific moment. And, you know, that's why Nick and I love to talk about it. And that's why we like to gather as much information about it to share with you guys as we can. We just think music is very powerful.
1: Yeah, and I definitely would want to echo that sentiment. It's definitely something why we created the podcast to share you know, what we think and to also open our minds to new, different types of music You know, that other people love to listen to, maybe some that we don't like, but that we can at least hear it and form opinions on him. And that's what uh, this whole thing is for. And without it, I think we would be stuck in a rut because, you know, like you were saying, you know, there's all those different kinds of mu- songs and music for different emotions that we're feeling. I just had another thought, if I could
2: share it. Yeah. Based on the question you asked me a moment ago, songs mean different things to different people for different reasons. And uh, do you guys remember who Bob Dylan is? Oh, yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. He's one of the most classic rock and rollers of all time. And there was one particular song he did back in the 60s. I don't remember what song it was right now off the top of my head, but. People from that era believe that that song influenced the entire generation and shaped everybody. You know, the the revolution movement of the hippies are rebelling against the establishment and uh, and all that stuff. Everybody says that that song shaped who they were, shaped the whole culture, shaped everything from that era. But when you ask Bob Dylan about it, I saw an interview with him. He
0: said, I didn't shape the culture, I just wrote a song. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Different things mean different things to different people for different reasons.
0: Yeah and another thing i wanted to add and you know big reason that we've been doing these interviews with uh you know our parents is i think that a lot can be learned from you know listening to your elders and listening to you know i mean the music that we love today it's here because of all the music that, that came before it yeah. yeah that came before it and and what our parents and grandparents grew up with and uh you know that's why we wanted to do this and why we think it's so crucial to future episodes that we're going to do because we're going to continue to talk about music history and yeah we're so grateful that you could come on the show today thanks for asking me guys this is really fun
1: yeah and so um oh i forgot to mention to you before we did this we always like to end our episodes where if we have a guest um where they can pick a lyric from any song that they want and they get to read them whether they it's one that they just really like or they feel applies to the episode where they just pick any lyric from a song that they love and they share it with the audience
0: yeah and uh but before we do that I I feel like I cut us off short here because we did have a couple other questions to, to ask you and, and maybe Nick should ask this one because I feel oh, like I it's... mean I mean
1: we can if my dad hasn't been sure but we can go ahead with that but um, I remember as a kid you know growing up you, know, you always had this big, huge, tall shelf with your sound system that had, you know, the the record player, the the decks with the tapes, and you know, and for CDs. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that.
2: Well, you just described it very perfectly. (laughs) Yeah, but
1: but, you know, maybe someone you know who's never seen it, like I envisioned it in my in my head. But maybe you can tell people. Well, those
2: shelves that you're envisioning are shelves that I built myself. I went to uh, Home Depot or someplace like that and bought all the wood, and uh, I had different levels there, and I Mm -hmm. made different levels. Like I would split the shelves in half, and so part of it would be down lower, and the other half would be up higher, and then there would be another shelf down even lower and i did that on purpose so that i could fit i had this gigantic box with all my cassettes in it do you remember that yeah, i do and that was perfect place for my huge cassette box to slip right in there got so all the tapes and right next to it was the cassette deck right above it was the turntable for my records and right below it was the um, amplifier and then the speakers were down did i have a speaker up on top i might have had remember those
1: big old brown speakers oh yeah 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 sometimes they were on top sometimes they were on bottom it's just wherever you move them
2: but uh, they're realistic was the brand name. Remember those were good speakers. I had them for a long time. I'm sad that I don't have them anymore. But uh, mm. but you don't need big speakers like that anymore. Now you get these little things, this, you know, the size of a quarter that sound like a concert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, the Bose, the Bose speakers are
0: incredible. Oh my god! The gosh. amazing sound that they produce. Yeah, and I, I think that kind of shows like, you know, I, another thing about music uh, back in like the 80s and 70s and, and that sort of, people would build these massive collections of cassettes and 8-tracks, uh, CDs, everything. And, you know, you don't see a lot of that these days. It's all digital on your phone, compact. And in a way, it's kind of kind of sad, I think, for the collector because none of it is real, you know, none of it's physical. But yeah, so maybe we should pause this now and we'll let you pick some lyrics and and we'll close out today. I've got the lyrics up here already. Oh, perfect. All
1: right, so if you want to go ahead and just introduce the song and why you chose it and then go ahead and read the lyrics to us.
2: One of the other singers that I grew up with that my dad listened to a lot was Andy Williams. Oh, yeah. Do you guys remember Andy Williams at
0: all? uh, Oh, yes. Yeah, lots of uh, Christmas music I remember.
2: Very similar to Perry Como. Perry Como is always very popular. This was very popular. They were very similar in style to uh, Frank Sinatra. Okay. And uh, there was one song from The Man of La Mancha.
1: Yeah, I remember The Man of La Mancha, yeah.
2: With Don Quixote. Oh, okay. And uh, there's one song that has influenced my life more than any other song ever.
1: You've heard it a million times, but that's because it's worth it. I engrave stuff. Need something engraved? I engrave stuff. Need some gifts for holidays and birthdays that are actually cool and can be totally personalized
0: to your liking? I engrave stuff. Check out their social medias. I see an Instagram giveaway very often, and they're actually legit. Connect by going to Iengravestuff.com. Another thing they have is an engraving service. If you have a thermos or a
1: bottle or a baseball glove or anything you can think of, all you have to do is get in touch with the awfully friendly people from iengravestuff.com and one of their laser experts can get an estimate to you.
0: It's super simple and they work hard to make it easy to explore your engraving ideas. And if you go to iengravestuff.com and you're shopping, be sure to type in TP10 in all caps in the promo code box at checkout. That'll get you 10% off. Check out iengravestuff today.
2: And uh, so the lyrics from that are what mean so much to me. This is to dream the impossible dream, to fight the unbeatable foe, to bear with unbearable sorrow, to run where the brave dare not go, to right the unrightable wrong, to love pure and chaste from afar, to try when your arms are too weary to reach the unreachable star. This is my quest to follow the star no matter how hopeless, no matter how far, to fight for the right without question or pause, to be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause. And I know, if I'll only be true to this glorious quest, that my heart will lay peaceful and calm when I'm laid to my rest. And the world will be better for this, that one man, scorned and covered with scars, still strove with his last ounce of courage to fight the unbeatable foe To reach the unreachable star. To me, this is a song that moves me greatly emotionally because it's a description of never quitting, never giving up. No matter how hard things get, you never quit. You just keep moving forward. And I've had a lot of difficult situations in my life, Nicholas knows about, things that I won't bore the audience with hearing right now. But there have been times when I've been tempted to just, uh, just give up. It's just too hard just crawl under a rock and forget about everything. But this song, the lyrics from this song have oftentimes been what keeps me going. When things get too hard and everything does, this life is designed deliberately that way to be hard. If it wasn't hard, it wouldn't be worthwhile. You know what they say, if something is easy, then you have to wonder how worthwhile is it really? But all the things that we appreciate most in life are the things that we had to work the hardest to get. So when people want free this or free that or free whatever, how much are they really gonna appreciate it? If they have to work hard for it, work hard for their education, work hard for their money, work hard for their relationships, work hard for their music, work hard for everything that matters to them, you appreciate it and it means so much more to you. In this song, the lyrics are the embodiment of that for me. So i thank you for letting me share that
0: well thank you for sharing it i i feel like that was that was really beautiful and i think it had a great message and yeah we're gonna keep moving forward and keep working hard
1: yeah and i know exactly what song you're talking about i hear the melody in my head and it's one that i love to know that you know my mom loves to listen to as well and uh you know it's it's definitely one that i haven't thought about in a long time but it is a very thought-provoking and motivational song and i thank you for sharing that with us and we're so happy to have you on the show again this is my dad adam repplinger and um yeah this was him and his experience with music growing up what he likes and what he saw and we thank you for coming on the show with us thanks guys peace out trout <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey thanks for listening guys we'll see you next time